welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or Hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life Hello humans of triathlon this is Swapnil Chauhan here speaking from Melbourne Australia joined by my two co-hosts Sheila Trelevin from Grimsby Ontario Canada and Carlos aka Charles from London UK and before we get into this week's conversation with our guest we have some news guess what we have got our first ever podcast sponsor yay <laughs> that's right pretty exciting we've been doing this show for 10 11 months now and i don't think we've had like even a single ad of any kind so far because that's just not what the show is about for us and it still isn't but our friend Triathlon Taren has just come out with this amazing triathlon training series, which we wanted to support and get the word out about. So they've come on board as sponsors. So the series is basically an online series of videos and audio files from some of our favorite pro triathletes. There's Lucy Charles, two times Kona runner-up and swim course record holder, along with her husband, Reese Barkley, for the How to Swim videos. There's also Cameron Work, the Kona bike course record holder, for how to cycle videos. And if it wasn't enough, there's Sarah and Ben True on how to run. And guess what? Run, bro. We have Miranda Carfrey, Tim O'Donnell, and their strength coach, Erin Carson, on triathlon strength training. So guys, this is the best of the best of the best. Talking about what they know and do best. Yeah, and all of it has been condensed into these nice, short little videos covering specific areas and topics. And I think whether you're a beginner or whether you've been doing the sport for a while, I think there's a little something for everyone in there. So for more information you, or to get the courses, you can visit humansoftriathlon.com forward slash pro try. So P-R-O-T-R-I. And if you use the code humans of triathlon, you can get 20% off. Honestly, I believe the prices that the courses are at, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete steal. To, you know, just be able to get an insight into the way these pros think about their sport and the way they do things. So, and yeah, we previously we've had quite a few people ask about how they can support the show and support Humans of Triathlon. Well, this would definitely be one way to do so. So make sure to check out humansoftriathlon.com slash pro try and coupon code Humans of Triathlon for 20% off. All right, now let's get into this week's episode. It's going to be a good one. All right, guys, welcome to season two of, of Humans of Triathlon podcast it is getting hot as ever. And today we have a very special guest. It's a story, I would say, of transformation of uh, someone who had no confidence whatsoever or very little confidence. Imagine a little girl uh, whose mother is telling her, you have to do another year of kindergarten. You say, why? In reality, you don't have much friends. She's super shy. So it's a very fragile person. Back today, some years later, you have complete metamorphosis of this person. I don't want to ruin and I don't want to say anything more than I should. But of course, you may have some questions about, is she still doing kindergarten? Does she still have to have any friends? Uh, well, I'm not going to say, no, nah, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm being a bit cheeky here. But to be fair, something that I can tell you is she has completed over 60 Ironman events. Okay, you've heard right, 6-0. And then she is a professional triathlete. She's an Ironman champion coach, and she comes all the way from Concord, New Hampshire. So ladies and gents, please welcome our guest for today, Amber Ferreira. Welcome, Amber. Thank Hi, you. Amber. Thank you so much. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. Definitely. Like your story, when I posted it on the Humans of Triathlon page, we did receive a lot of love just because of you know the story like it was like very heart heartwarming kind of one so we definitely wanted to have you on to just hear more about it no i um i definitely was a really shy kid and like i said in the interview my sport has really brought a lot of confidence 
in my life. Um, and looking back to it's sort of a profound moment because way back in kindergarten, when I finally got the courage to, you know, run that little race, I think I actually got last place, but it didn't matter at all. So really, you know, it, it's definitely not about winning or losing sort of about that journey and the people you meet uh, along the way and the confidence it gives you. And that's why I love, that's part of why I love sport. It can be so powerful. Hmm. So just walk us through that story because uh, not, I'm not sure if everyone listening would have read it. Okay, sure. Yep. So I definitely was a shy kid and I had to repeat my kindergarten year because <laughs> I hadn't made any friends and just asked to sit with my teacher at lunch. And my mom sort of gently encouraged me each day to do this summer track and field program. And I was really resisting because I was so shy and I was sort of stomping my feet and, and refused to go for many weeks. And then, you know, finally I gave in and showed up. And I remember being absolutely terrified towing the line. But then I, I, I recall that once the gun went off, I was just flooded with adrenaline and excitement and, and people were cheering and it didn't matter that I was losing. <laughs> um, and when I crossed the line, it was such a proud moment. Um, and I was always sort of a smiley kid, but again, I was really shy. And I think that this race just gave me and sport in general, just gave me that, that confidence to that confidence that spread into other areas of my life. So yeah. And, and I, um, I really made sport a big part of my life because of that. And, and actually I raced for Northeastern university. I raced cross country indoor and outdoor track on a scholarship and I had an eating disorder in college. So uh -oh. I had sort of a, a tough time in, in college. And after I graduated, I, I knew that I needed to get back to, to sport, but I had to sort of like, you know, stop those harmful, stop that, stop the eating disorder, really. I mean, it was, it was hurting sport and it was, it was just destroying my body. And I, I found my way into triathlon and I just loved the community and the people. And that was really, this is really the sport that I am most passionate about. Um, it actually, it's helped me sort of crawl my way out of that disordered eating and just give myself a little bit more self-love. So there's a lot of reasons I love sport. <laughs> so going back to when, you know, that day when you had your race as a kid, like the first of all, the fact that you remember that day, uh, I mean, that just, yeah. you were like, what, five years old. So the fact that you have some memories of that just, I think, goes to show how impactful that day must have been for you. Yeah. So it was basically that participation ribbon that gave you that, that change in change in confidence yeah because yeah. I had so I I wrote a blog about this too I made my mom so I crossed the line and didn't win and but then I, I made my mom sort of wait around <laughs> until after they did the awards and they like finally called my name <laughs> one of the last names and gave me a thanks for participating ribbon and I was just like I remember jumping up and down and it didn't really matter that <laughs> it wasn't first or second or third I just felt so proud of that moment you know and it goes to show you that I think it's sort of a shame sometimes in sport we we uh base success off of winning and podiums and for me it's not that at all it's totally not that it's really about sort of the struggle and overcoming pushing past your own boundaries and and you know the journey along the way and it's it's definitely not about the win ever yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I guess also, uh, this is something that uh, I think you haven't mentioned, but I think the race was a 100-yard dash, right? Yes. So as for someone with on such a tiny and tender age, which is very tiny and has a very little stride, I mean, even though for us 100 yards sounds like nothing, I mean, for you, it must have been like a marathon almost. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It really felt like a marathon. And it is peculiar, like you said, it's peculiar what memories stick out from when you were younger. But this had such a profound impact on me and my life um, that it was for sure memorable. 
So you are completely for the participation trophies when it comes to that argument. Yes, there is. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I'm there with you. I've got I've got three kids, and and I totally get the participation um, ribbons and and trophies and everything. I think it's great that you know you recognize for that. I also find the real benefit in in recognizing those that that win as well. That that kind of on both sides of that argument right <laughs> yeah she was five years old when she got that i think until a certain age it, it's all right but after that it just gets it just I, I, i'm against it after a while i guess <laughs> yeah there's always there's always you know there's the the benefit in making sure that those people are recognized for the effort that they're putting it in also you know making sure that those are recognized for standing out as well and and being different or not just everyone the same there's there's that benefit too just just from my side of things mm-hmm. but in, i was just curious in terms of that race and and the impact it had on you in terms of going forward in sport as well as probably taking not helping you with your shyness i would imagine as well is that race what kind of stimulated in you to pursue the sport of track Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love, I do love running and I've, I, I love triathlon too. I love the three sports, but I think that, um, running is just such a pure way to, uh, you know, dig deep and it's minimal equipment. Um, and really it's you versus yourself, right? You're not having to rely on teammates. I mean, that could be good. It can also be bad really. So yeah. Running is a very a very special sport in its simplicity. How so? How did that evolve? Did you get into a track team? Did, was it more high school that you got involved? Yeah. So then I um, I ran. That gave me the courage to run in middle school, and I ran um, cross country and track in middle school and through college, through high school rather, and then got a scholarship to Northeastern and ran. I was there for seven years because I got a doctorate in physical therapy, so I ran five years of eligibility through college. Yeah. But like I said, it was, it was a little tricky just due to the disordered eating. How did that come about? That was, I mean, it's hard to put a finger on, right? Cause I'm sure there's multi, a multitude of factors, but I think deep down, I mean, I think a lot of it was performance based and I'm trying to maybe fit all along what, what was a triathlete body. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of fit into this runner's body that maybe really never was going to happen, you know? And I just said, had this sort of disordered thought that you had to be really thin and skinny in order to win, which I mean, we know is, is not always the case, but I think sadly a lot of runners fall into that trap. Hmm. So, and that, I think that's actually part, you know, I like triathlon too, because you can have a bit more muscle and <laughs> it's favorable to be a little bit bigger, right? The sport favors uh, a little bigger athlete. And and so how, how did you um, overcome the eating disorder? Was there someone who helped you? Did you go for help, like support? Yeah, my, I had some really good coaches along the way. And I think actually a little bit of it started in high school. And I remember my coaches like sitting me down and, and talking to me and, um, I had some older female runners that were really good mentors. And I think uh, I got to the point where I was just too weak to really even run. And it was just getting unfun. And I had to flip the switch and think of food as as fuel and just really start to get into the mindset that food is how I was going to get stronger and it wasn't an evil thing. Um, and it took a couple of years, you know, and to really sort of push those thoughts away. Triathlon again was helpful because, um, I was able to, yeah, maybe carry a little bit more muscle mass and, and still excel in, on the bike and the swim. And do you still, do you still fight that in, in some ways? Cause I know with our sport, there is a lot of talk of weight and, you know, race weight versus workout weight and, if I ru- I'll run like that same thing is there. Like I, like I just watched Lionel Sanders talk about that last year, how he was trying to lose too much weight for, or lose weight for the run. And it affected his performance. Do you still struggle with that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, I think it's once it's there, it's maybe never a hundred percent gone. And 
some things can trigger like you you know you see someone win and they look maybe a little bit like leaner or thinner than you and the thoughts start to to creep back but i've really have done a good job i think of flipping the switch and you know instead of viewing skinny as fast i view skinny as maybe fragile um and i put a lot of a lot of uh work in the weight room to get strong and i think I started to think of myself as I want to be as strong and as athletic as possible, as opposed to I want to be as thin as possible. Because um, to me, you know, having this athletic body is um, a durable body and, and a body that's going to stand up to the training of, oh man, last week I did 25 hours. So I have to sort of constantly remind myself that, you know, because I, you know, you can, everyone, we're all human. You could like look at the start line. Well, today I actually ran a 5k and it's like, I'm on the start line with all these like, (laughs) you know, pure runners and I've got lats and quads. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have to sort of like always push those thoughts on my head and just believe that my legs are strong and they're going to carry me. Yeah. So (laughs) Yeah, I mean everything. Everything in excess, I think, is 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 always wrong, right? In terms of trying to uh, lose weight, uh, like, like we said before, you no, know, like having a little bit of weight and muscle is good for the sport to be have a little bit of sort of endurance, right? But I think also uh, for people like me, for example, who have a an uncanny ability to store fat. <laughs> I don't know, it's just inside my hair, between my fingers and my fingernails. It's just incredible. So obviously my coach has trying to tell me, you know, I have a race in 10 weeks and like, you know what, you want to keep it chill, try to lose some weight. And I'm definitely obviously trying to, you know, avoid like, you know, like donuts winking at me on the street and things like that. So definitely there must be, right, an effort towards that without, yeah, going into into excesses or anything like but yeah right right yeah it's it's a balance you know and it's like I think sometimes it's like you train 20 25 hours a week it's like you obviously want to fuel nutritiously and get a lot of micronutrients but exactly sometimes it's okay to eat a donut (laughs) (laughs) right well the the photo you posted today is that on your Instagram is that from your that's from your run this morning oh yeah 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 yep well, I have to say you look super strong and fantastic. And I was looking at some of your, because fo- I've been following you on Instagram for a while, but um, <laughs> I I look at your, like your, your chin up, pull up challenge. Oh, the pull you up. Yeah. have an amazing, like you look amazing, super strong, strong. <laughs> I am like, yeah, I'm like, okay, the chin ups are coming back into my, my work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sheila. You know, and actually that, that has been, I coach, a, I coach a bunch of athletes, but I coach a group of um, like 12 year old female swimmers. And that, that's been sort of in the forefront of my training plans is I want them all to feel like strong. And we do a lot of like lifting workouts and I want them to feel strong, to feel athletic, to feel like they're, they're durable as opposed to, you know, just skinny and frail. So that that's our motto is <laughs> strong not no, strong not skinny <laughs> and definitely swimmers are especially female swimmers I well I was I grew up a female swimmer definitely not skinny they are strong yes. and built and you know um the lats definitely stand out yes yep <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. in a good way though <laughs> In a good way, yeah. No, no one's going to mess with your girls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I see on Instagram that along with you know triathlon, you do a bunch of other racing, especially during the winter. So is that is that just because you love racing a lot, or is that does the strength aspect come into that as well? Yeah, it's both. So I absolutely love racing, but you know you can't race uh, all year long it just leads to to burnout so my coach actually let me race a little bit more this winter but it's uh it gives me a break mentally because it's not a races at all and I raced some snowshoe races and I raced a 50k skate ski race and th- those two sports specifically very low impact and so so good for strength I mean s- skate skiing uses all of the muscles all the lats I actually took three months completely off from the pool and because I was skiing so much and then I got back in two weeks ago and I'm I'm practically back to 
sort of where I need to be to race well on, on the pro level. So yeah, there's a, there's that love of racing for me. And then, and then I do think that the more athletic you are um, across all the sports, the more you'll excel in the sport of triathlon. I think it's very difficult to find that sort of fine line of balance between uh, how many races a year you, you, you do, you can do, or you should do. Right. Right. Uh, I think last, last week we had uh, our guest who uh, he was telling us his calendar of the year, and I was impressed. You know, like the number, not only the number, but the type of races that this guy was doing is just uh, impressive. No? And then obviously you have the other side of the, of the things, like you're saying, you know, like we need to be careful and try to avoid burnout, which is something that can easily happen when you try to peak too often in the year, right? Right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yep. And I think, you know, you have to take into account there's uh, something called like an optimal level of, of uh, arousal, too, in, in regards to racing. And I think we can only get like super amped up, super excited for a couple big races a year, you know? So, so you really have to sort of lay out the schedule appropriately and, and, and be really savvy about where you plan your A races. I think some of my winter races, the ski races and the snowshoe races, they were very challenging physically, but, you know, bef before the races, I treated them differently. I didn't necessarily do this big taper beforehand and I didn't get, I didn't get very nervous per se for them. Um, so that, that was beneficial in, in the fact that I, I, you know, it wasn't sort of a race. It was more of a, this is a hard session and I'm going to, if I absorb it, I'll get stronger from it. And it's not draining from my race bank. It's <laughs> a good approach. Yeah. So before you got into triathlon, you were doing all these races already, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> I love racing. I think that uh, I talk about it all the time, but it's definitely a unique platform in the fact that there's some pretty cool, like real life magic that can happen during a race. I was reading like, you've done so many different types so there's hill racing or the mountain series like long distance like you are an ultra champion in iceland yeah. <laughs> um and like like it's just such a a big you know group of different types of racing so how did you lead is that i guess that's what led you to triathlon but how did you decide to choose each one there was it just something that you saw and said, Hey, I'm going to do this. Or was there a reason? So I, um, I mean, again, I really love to race. And I think that I'm, I am proud of the fact that I, I, I do think I am like a multi, multi-sport athlete. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I do sort of excel at the endurance events, but I, I also have a pretty deep love for a lot of different events. You know, if someone, everyone always asks me what sport do you love the best? And I just, frankly, I can't answer that. You know, it's when I'm biking, I love biking, you know, and same thing for running and, and skiing and swimming and, and the trail racing. And then the, the road cycling, it's like when I'm in that sport and if I've prepped for it, well, um, I love it. So it is hard. I mean, my, my main gig right now is Ironman and, and half Ironman, but I feel like because of the volume of, of training I'm doing, um, I can sort of jump into a trail race and do pretty well and, you know, kind of mix it up with, with the road cycling. And, and that actually, it satisfies my love of racing. And it also sort of like satisfies, um, uh, it, it will bring some sort of uh, excitement and flair to the just traditional swim bike run, you know, and, and really sort of, again, yeah, mixes it up. <laughs> and you did the winter triathlon as well, right? this time around oh yes i did <laughs> that was yes so that well i can't say so that one involved <laughs> running on snow which i love and then speed skating which i will say that is the one sport that i <laughs> i could do without that sport <laughs> it's um it's extremely technical and i do ha own speed skates i just don't get out on them enough so i feel i feel a little like bambi on ice whenever i'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, partaking in the speed skating and then, then the last event of that is the the skate skiing which i'm i'm fine at so uh, but i do that because you know hey why not it's actually pretty good to do stuff that you're bad at sometimes <laughs> keeps it real and it keeps you challenged so <laughs> sounds fun 
So just to list out all the different sports again, so people may you know look them up and see what they're about so there's mountain series which is uphill running there's snowshoe racing there's ultra running obviously there's the winter triathlons there's speed skating so all these different sports that people can look at (laughs) so what led you into triathlon after doing those sports initially i you know i i got actually got into triathlon right after i graduated college from northeastern i ran like one open road marathon and i was actually too poor to to buy a car so i was just biking to work (laughs) and i was like hey you know what i'm actually getting faster running with all this biking probably because it gave me a little strength and so so that really led i did my i did a sprint triathlon in 2008 and then i did my first ironman in 2009 because why not right (laughs) and then I qualified for Kona as an age grouper, and then that that year I qualified to race as a professional. So, so yeah. So I, I've been. That's what led. Then I just fell in love with the swim, bike, run, and I seemed like I had something good going, you know. So, sixty-two Ironman later, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of Ironman events. <laughs> yeah. So, how many on average would you say you're doing now per season or per year? How many would seventy point three or full Ironman are you are you racing this year? I'll race. Um, I'll race four or maybe five. It depends on if I qualify for the World Champs, but four or five seventy point threes, and then I'll only probably race one um, full this year because. I want to have a strong, I started cross racing on the bike, cyclocross last year, and it was, uh, it was a ton of fun. So I want to try to have a pretty strong season there. And that starts in, starts early, starts in September. Oh, cool. So I'll, I'll race, I'll race, I'll go over to Austria, Switzerland, I'll race Montremblant 70.3, and then maybe Montremblant full. Oh, I will see you there then. I will say hi. Oh, at Montremblant? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, awesome. At the half or the full? Both. Uh, I love that place. That's one of my favorite courses of all time. Yeah. Well, according to Sheila, it's going to be pathetic weather because she's racing there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Is it always rainy? <laughs> Whenever I do a race, there's like, there's usually some sort of bad weather that follows along. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you said you were racing the full? Yeah, yeah. The last Okay, time. oh boy. The last time I raced the full there, I think it was 2016, it was downpouring, so. That's because <laughs> I was there. Oh. <laughs> of course. Oh, and that, you know, that year, so I had crashed at Placid. I tore my quad, had all this road rash. I was like, you know what? I'm co- I'm going to make, I'm going to come back <laughs> two weeks or two or three weeks later just because I can and race Tremblant and it was extremely painful. And then it downpoured. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How did you do after that crash? Like you, you crashed just a few weeks before then you went and did Tremblant. You tore your quad It had, well, obviously you said it was extremely painful. It had to be, how did you fare during the race? Yes, it was, it was very, yeah, it was really painful. It was, I remember putting my, it was actually, so it was a hard, it was a really hard crash at Placid. I was going like 20, over 20 miles an hour and a spectator jumped out into the course and I hit him straight on and was taken to the ER and, um, yeah, tore my whole lateral quad and had just a ton of road rash. And it was a little bit eye opening too. You know, it's like the helmet cracks, the bike is broken and it's, you're just sort of sitting there going, wow, like this stinks, but it's the same on the other hand. I'm walking and I'm okay. So I just made a goal to finish Tremblant. And I remember that morning, like putting my wetsuit on and it was like, still just like road rash. (laughs) What am I doing? But you know, that is probably one of my most proudest races because it was so painful and it was obviously not ideal prep going into it at all. But I finished really strong and I felt really confident if I could, you know, come back after this. And I was fourth that day. If I could come back after this and get fourth, then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gives you confidence that you can do anything. <laughs> I see that fourth is your number. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the fourth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know what? I was just talking with my boyfriend too, and it's like <laughs> no one ever remembers the fourth. So it's like it's I'm proud of my wins. I'm proud I am. But I mean, and this is why I think I've stuck in the sport for so long is like I've had some epic battles that I that I cherish and I felt like I've had some races I was so proud of and they didn't end in wins. You know, I was fourth. (laughs) Um, So but I and it's yeah, again, it's like bottom line, the winning doesn't matter. It's like I really just want to go out there and I want to be the best Amber and I love battling the other girls. And yeah, so (laughs) lots of fourths, but lots of proud fourths. Well, I would say a world championships uh, fourth place and a race for fourth place is a pretty good thing to be proud of. I'd be very proud of that too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's incredible. I, I was actually talking to my husband about you this morning. It's like, it's so incredible that you, you have, one, you work so hard and two, you have amazing athletic ability that you can go from winning Ironman and coming forth after pulling your quad apart and then going to the (laughs) snowshoe world championships and fighting for fourth place and making the national team and doing all of these things like in, in different sports all over the place to go into a 10 K open water swim. Like it's really, it's really incredible the things that you do and and you're quite an inspiration. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, And one of my mottos too, is just sort of be brave. And I mean, I'm sure a, a lot of other people could do it too. I just, um, I think it's important to just sort of put myself out there in these challenging situations. And I briefly mentioned um, before too, it's like, I, I love the, I love racing. It gives us that platform where really it's like magic can happen. I mean, you tow the line and sometimes you just can get into this like optimal level of, of flow and you can dig deep and, and push hard. And, you know, it's like all the chatter, all the negativity is quiet and, it's just, yeah, it's a really, it's a cool, awesome, wonderful experience. And I think that putting yourself in those like challenging situations, sports, maybe that you're not the, the best at, that just makes a, makes for a really good story, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happens, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I was, I'm, I mean to ask you, out of those 60 Ironman events that you've done, do you usually repeat races as uh, trying to conquer some sort of specific course? Or are you more of, a, of an explorer who wants to just uh, conquer the world and say, I've done all of them? <laughs> I love, I love, love, love racing in different places, in different countries. I've had the, the best experiences in regards to homestays and meeting new people and, you know, meeting the triathlon communities and in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. So, so I love that aspect about trying out new races, but I also love coming back to some of my favorites, you know, and Montremblant for one, that's, uh, I love the race st- staff up there and I love seeing the familiar faces and, you know, I, I, I love the course. So I know sort of what's coming at me. There are races maybe I, I won't go back to just because this is a big world and there's so much to do. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I could go either way and I, I love exploring. And again, I love the community. I love the friends you meet. It turns the, the big world into not such a big world. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad you like coming back to Canada because, you know, I love, I love, love, love Montremblant. They do the race organization is top notch. They do such a stellar job up there. They're so nice. Yeah. And it's a beautiful village when you run into the village, like it's a really cool place to, uh, to to run into at the end as well or stay at do you stay at the village or do you do a homestay when you're there it, um i've stayed in a homestay and i've stayed um i've stayed in some airbnbs and some actually i stayed in a beautiful cute little bed and breakfast last last time it was i love everything about i love canada i love that place <laughs> actually i think i need to do this race now because uh, i don't know why but in the last six months I've been hearing so much from so many different people. Montreal, 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 Montreal. Fine, I'm going to do it sometime. Yes, you do, you definitely have to. And you know what? It's also the course is a very fair course. You know, so you get you definitely it's challenging and you get some hills, but it but it's not crazy and it's not a flat course and you have 
it's just a very energetic crowd up there too. And they also roll out a red carpet. So it's like the transitions, you're running on a red carpet. Can't get better than that. <laughs> yeah. And I found like that was the first Ironman I'd ever done. And and uh, I stayed till midnight to watch the, the finish. Yes. And it was so exciting. Oh, like, yeah. It really was and inspiring and, and watching that and Mike Riley come down and do the announcing and right in the shoot. It's 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 really quite a quite a I don't know, an experience I'd never had. Like I was crying and I was excited. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I shed many tears. Yep, that that yeah, the finish line at midnight is is pretty special. So you have to do it. You have to do it, Charles. We'll do, we'll do. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So coming back to um, your race results, now obviously you've said that you know racing for you is more about is more so about just racing than the position and stuff like that. But I'm sure being a professional athlete, it's obviously something you would aim or you know aspire to. Yeah. You you'll have some goals in terms of that as well, right? So what do you think is stopping you from taking it to that next level? Because you've you've had your fair share of wins as well. You've 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 finished on many podiums, but what do you think is stopping you from getting to that next level? Do you think that the sports that you do have helped you in being the athlete you are right now, or do you think if you just focus on triathlon, you you could get better? Um, it's a good question. So I. I um I try to be really diligent during the year and put my head down and focus strictly on on the swim bike run at least from you know at least from March until September October. But I also I also work a lot. You know, I I work 30 hours as a physical therapist and I coach 25 athletes and I opened a I just opened a bike studio downtown. So I um and I coach at, and I sorry, and I teach at the university. So my my week is extremely full. And I do note that I took a a, a just sort of a stay at home staycation <laughs> vacation a couple of weeks ago, where I was sort of just doing my athlete duties, coaching and and training, and you know training for four hours and then kind of putting your feet up is a lot different than training for four hours and then and going to work as a PT. Yeah. So it, I mean, that might play a part in it that I just maybe don't get like the absolute rest I need. And my love of all the sports might also play a part. In it. <laughs> but I don't know if I would, you know, I don't know if I would change any of that. I, I did try to, this is when I first turned pro, I, I, try, I cut down my PT hours to like 25 hours a week. And I was only coaching like five a- athletes. And that lasted like six months before I was like, I can't do this. I need... I need to work more and I like to be around people and I love to coach and I have like all these passions. I know that I can, I believe I could excel and also be a good PT and be a good coach. So yeah, I guess the moral of the story is I just don't rest enough. <laughs> Not enough recovery. So what would you say your, then your, your daily routine looks like without the staycation at home, but like, your you know daily routine yeah yeah so I like I'm pretty much seven days a week I'm well six days a week I'm like up at 4 30 because I'm either running or uh, swimming or biking really early before work and trying to get in multiple sessions and then I um, am lucky because I don't start work until well Fridays I start at 9 30 but some of the other days I don't start until um, 10 10 30 so I can get in a, a good amount of training before I go to work. I have Thursdays off from physical therapy. So I'll train and then I'll have touch base meetings with my athletes and build plans. And then same thing with the weekends, I'll train hard in the morning, three or four, or six hours, depending on uh, what's coming up on the race schedule. And then I'll build plans for athletes. So I don't know if it's a sustainable schedule because it really is, you know, seven days a week where I'm sort of up at four thirty and and going for it until I hit the, hit the you know, I'm in bed at like 8.30. So I, I do get actually. Oh, I was going to say, when do you go to bed? Yeah. <laughs> I do go to bed. It's like pretty much like a grandma routine, right? <laughs> as far as a sleep schedule. But <laughs> but when I'm up, I'm like every 30 minutes is accounted for. So go, go, go. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm glad you shared that because there's a lot of people out there that, that want to do triathlon, they want to, to 
you know, put some time into the sport, but feel they don't have the time because their schedule during the day is so busy or they can't find that time to do the run or the bike or the things like that. But it's, it's good to hear that, you know, here you are, you're a pro triathlete, you know, you do all these other amazing things, but you still, you know, work full time. You, you coach as well. You, you have a bike shop and you find time to put in that training because it's something that you really really want and you have a boyfriend <laughs> yeah <laughs> right exactly who I try I try not to ignore him <laughs> no he, he's actually he's a really good athlete he's probably one of my best training partners and okay. you know that that's that's helpful too he's super supportive he does a lot of my he does a lot of the cooking actually so what you know what my life is easy <laughs> 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 no, to, I don't know. To be fair, I think you need you need to be honestly. I mean, it is true, right? That it takes a lot of time to do triathlon. Uh, sometimes I go to the swimming pool and you don't realize, but you waste. Uh, no, I don't want to say waste, but you lose time right. going to the venue, changing things, putting on your 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 fins. So there's a lot of. So you need to become a a, a ninja, a time yes. ninja, pretty much. Yes. Right. You can do it. You can do it, but you need to get out your sword. And say I'm gonna slash time like this, just like right, exactly. Yes, and you know what? That is that is such a good analogy. A time ninja. I love that. (laughs) I'm gonna use that. (laughs) And you know what? One one of my um, uh, one of my little tricks is I have a whiteboard, and so like on Sunday night, I write down all of my like hour by hour duties for that week, and it just like keeps me on track. Time ninja. I love that. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's it. and the, the thing is, people, I think they get a bit frustrated, and all of us, because we see people, for example, like uh, like Lionel Sanders. I, I'm a super fan. I love Lionel Sanders, but uh, first of all, he he doesn't do any any other thing than than training. Right. He lives in his place, and he has the the sort of infinite pool, the the Swift, and the and the treadmill, everything together. So it's like, my God, that's how you can become a triathlete. But no. That's not the only way to do it because you, we have examples and you are a clear example, Amber. So thank you for bringing that, that example to her, for all the listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it can, it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. You, got, you know, you gotta, you do have to love the, love the hustle a little bit though. Yeah, definitely. I make a few sacrifices, yep. but it definitely, definitely can be done. And all of our hashtag or every all of our stuff now has to have a hashtag time ninja at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Another question that I had for you was given that you race so much during the winters and in colder conditions, do you have any tips for people for training or racing in the colder conditions? Um, so I I do sort of thrive, I guess you could say a little bit in the cold and maybe it's just because I was like you know, I grew up in New England and we have some pretty cold winters but I I say if you have the right gear you can you can pretty much race and train in anything I mean going out and running on snowshoes and even I have a fat bike too so like biking it sounds weird but biking on the snow when you get a sunny bluebird day and it's cold and crisp it can be so exhilarating and you can actually work up a really good sweat. So if you're if you're in the good good gear and you and you layer and good mindset, winter training and racing is some was some of my favorite racing to do. Do you ever do you ever wear like um, sometimes when it's really cold out here and I go for a run, I will put my ski goggles on. Your you, what goggles? Oh, your ski goggles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that's you know um, ski goggles and then the. Um, the face masks are important. I mean, when it gets below, you know, 20 Fahrenheit, really, it's like you got to cover all exposed skin. I had a little trick this winter if I was sort of like lacking motivation because we, we had some like negative, negative degree days, talking like negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit. It was freezing. <laughs> um, I would just drink, I would drink, I would drink, like I would hydrate with a lot of hot tea beforehand. Okay. Layer up and then go for it. I mean, the thing is that just the word negative next to the word Fahrenheit is just super scary, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having to look it up right now to see what that is in Celsius. It's freezing cold. <laughs> it's just freezing cold. It's very, very cold. It's a horror movie. 
It's like if you did a snot rocket or spit, it would immediately freeze. Hence <laughs> <laughs> why I understand why you guys use uh, ski goggles while running. I mean, like, yes. anything you need. Because your eyeballs can freeze. <laughs> oh my God. And just, just the cheek, the, the, the burning feeling on your skin, right? It's so hard. Yes. To... Oh, boy. Yes. Mm. All right, Amber. So what what does your season look like? Do you have any particular goals or plans for the rest of the year? I have a big goal of qualifying for the Ironman World, World Championships as a professional in 70.3 distance. It's in Nice, France. So I'm going to race Ironman 70.3 Austria. And then a week later, because it's only an eight-hour train ride, 70.3 Switzerland. And that's in May and June. And then I'll race Ironman Tremblant in hopes to to qualify. So that's that's the big goal of this year. And you know, to qualify, you have to win, unless you're lucky enough to per- perhaps get like a roll down. If if the girl had you had already taken a slot, so that would be that would be excellent if I could qualify. <laughs> yeah, that that seventy point three Switzerland is beautiful. Eh? It's really really awesome. Like gorgeous venue so i think you'll you'll enjoy i can't wait yeah i can't just all the pictures look absolutely amazing so i'll be i'll be happy just to be there in that environment have you done austria before as well i have yep i was fourth at ironman austria (laughs) 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 i I raced the full in um i raced the full not the half though (laughs) okay (laughs) that's the best number come on yeah So what do you see your future as a professional triathlete looking like? You know, it's hard it's hard to say. I had like some frustrated frustrating well, there was just one year that was a little frustrating. I had like a probably overworked a little bit and dug myself in a big old like a adrenal fatigue hole. And so I thought like after that that year I thought I was done. That was in two thousand fifteen. But then and I had some strong years after that. And I don't know, you know, I just feel I feel strong. I know I'm getting older, but I <laughs> doesn't make sense, but I feel stronger. Racing sort of racing the world circuit, the pro circuit though, I mean I, I think realistically I have like two or three more years. Um I'll continue obviously to to race and do all sorts of, of fun things, but probably two or three more years on the Ironman circuit. Can I ask how old you are? Thirty six. Just a young girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I think you feeling stronger at 36, I don't think that's unusual. I think as women in sports, such as the distance sports that we're doing, we tend to get stronger at that age category. If that, I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, there's a lot of women in your age bracket that are, are kicking rear in, in the Ironman pro circuit. So yeah, you know, it is, it's, it's funny that you said that because it, it's totally true. And you know, I don't know if it's because it takes so long to sort of excel over the course of the three sports. Um, what, what's also interesting too is there's so many girls that have had, have had had kids and have come back stronger, which is amazing to me. You know, it's just so cool to see that. I, I actually love that. You know, I love for following Meredith and Rinny, and mm. you know, there's been so many top level girls, Beth Beth McKenzie, that have had babies and then come back in just one Ironman it's it's pretty cool so I'm looking forward to to when you have babies and then come back (laughs) (laughs) so what's the message you'd want people listening to take away from your story Amber Uh, the big you know the big thing is to I would say to be brave um, and and put yourself out there I think that when you're a dreamer and I'm definitely a, a dreamer and I love thinking up these big goals and, and that can come with heartbreak and failure, but I would say it's worth it in the end. You know, it's, it's worth it to dream big and, and sort of fail along, uh, along the way. It's, de- it's definitely a life that's worth living. Yep. Awesome. Okay. And are there any people or brands that you'd like to give a shout out to? Yes. Shout out to, my <laughs> awesome boyfriend for being the best cook and training partner. And then I have some amazing um, sponsors and, and it's Tom Raffio from Delta Dental, Runner's Alley, Infinite, 
Juice Performer, Rudy Project, and then, of course, my coach, Kurt Parham, who has been my coach since I turned pro in 2011. He's been an integral uh, part of why I've, I've had the success I've had. He's a great guy. Great. Okay, and before we ask our last question, tell everyone listening where they can follow your journey online. You can follow my Instagram account. It's Amber D. Ferreira. And I also have a website, amberdferreira.com for all the crazy updates on the crazy races. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, and our last question is why do you try? Because it gave me all the confidence I needed as a, a shy little girl to get out there and and dream big and explore the world and meet the most beautiful humans really in all honesty this is a great community and that's why i try awesome all right amber thank you so much for coming on the show it was real fun chatting with you thank you for having me and again thanks for the you guys have such a great instagram account it's it's so inspirational so thank you It's the one and only, the, the thing you have been waiting for this entire hour to finally listen to, Community Comments with Charles. I know you love this, and I love it too. So now, we're going to read some comments from someone who has sent something from Michigan. And she says the following, Enjoy listening to these interviews of a wide range of triathletes many of whom are real, average people accomplishing extraordinary things through determination and hard work. This comes from wu.audrey underscore try. Thank you very much for this, Audrey. And uh, thank you very much, guys. I mean, all these five-star reviews are very overwhelming, and we're deeply thankful for for that. Uh, And as you know, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Strava, on humansoftriathlon.com and on every single podcast platform out there, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So don't be shy. Send us your comments and uh, we'll take it from there. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this Humans of Triathlon community. Hope you're enjoying the show and the other content. Make sure to join us again next week here on The Hot Podcast, where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this Audrey but extra Audrey world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.